Yeah, what is going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com NFL strategy show showdown edition week 11 Thursday night football kicking off the week with the Patriots and the Atlanta Falcons. Really exciting game here. Some elite level pass catching options from the Falcons that Matt Gajeski along with me. I'm Dave Lockren, by the way. Can't wait to talk about what's up, man. How you doing, man? I, I'm, I like these kind of games. Yeah. Games where we get to go in the weeds, you know, like whenever the Jets are playing, gives me a little bit of excitement. And Showdown really brings the people out for these kind of games. I feel like that's one way DFS and sports betting have really helped these kind of games that maybe are a little less desirable this far into the season. I don't think anyone thought Atlanta would be this bad. And New England, obviously, they're improving under a rookie signal caller. But of course, DFS helps. Most people on the East Coast, right? Like the casual viewer who has no betting interest, no DFS interest, no fantasy interest, and isn't a Patriots or Falcons fan, they're not staying up till 11.15 to finish, the, to, to, to sweat out the conclusion of this game. I can tell you that much. I mean, this is, this is a game for people like you and me. Especially if the game's not close. Whereas if you're playing DFS, like literally every single play counts. Like how many times have we seen a Millie maker going into like the final drive of the game and then one catch like drops them down to like a hundred K instead of winning the Millie, like solo shipping. We see it all the time. Dude on showdowns, you could be soloing a Millie and then go down to $300 on one play. That's true. It could be even worse, like because of the chops too. So like say a train's behind. Well, that's you. what I mean. Yeah. yeah. And then you end up in 27th instead of first. Yeah. And the chalk, like the chalk train hits the chalk lineup hits and goes in the first place. These guys are all splitting a million dollars between 500 of them. Uh, and, and then you're left with nothing. So the breaks are crazy, but in an odd way, it's enjoyable because anything's possible on games like this. And the Patriots have just been got, dare I say dominant lately. Of course they have not faced the, the most imposing of teams, but at the same time, I mean, they cleaned up against Cleveland, not even close. They crushed the Panthers. They beat in a close game because the Chargers only play close games. Uh, they beat the Chargers. It's true. Like when, when are the Chargers not involved in what feels like a one possession game? You know, um, they beat the Jets 53-13. This is just um, it's a good team right now. They're, they're improving. And they found ways to take a rookie quarterback who hasn't been electric but has been good enough to run an offense and clearly the best rookie quarterback yet. So we'll dive into all of that. But first, we're happy to have you guys with us. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. It only takes a second, and you know it. It helps us. You help us in the fight to combat those YouTube overlords, baby. You know how it is, the algorithms and all that good stuff. We're just trying to get a piece of the pie here. It doesn't have to be huge, and you can help us do that. If you like the content, if you don't, well, maybe you just want to sit around and talk shit, and that's okay, too, as long as you're here. Subscribe to the channel, too. Hit that subscribe, help get us to 70K. And if you want to join the channel, get those custom emojis, the sweet badges next to the names that you'll see in chat. And of course, shout outs and, and always priority access on comments and questions that we'll talk about on the show. It's right down below that thumbs up button if you want to join the team here at Awesomeo. All right, Matt, let's do it, man. We'll jump into this one. Of course, today's show presented by Jack Market. I'll get into that in just a little bit. The the Patriots laying seven on the road, 47-point total here. They have a 27-point implied total, though, so pretty significant for this team. They've been laying the points on recently. Let's actually start with Mac Jones because you've got two quarterbacks tonight that haven't exactly been electric from a fantasy standpoint. Um, is Mac Jones somebody that you're looking to get in captain spots and stack him with pass catchers? Or is this really a spot where you would expect to see a lot of run-heavy approach from a team that is bludgeoned opponents with guys like Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson? I do think it is going to be a run-first approach from New England, as long as they can play the way they want to. With that said, this is almost like a, a position by attrition. Like, who else do we want to put in our captain spot? On FanDuel, Matt Ryan is inexplicably more expensive than Mac Jones. I'm not understanding why at this point. But then you have a timeshare in the backfield. Ramondre Stevenson's played so well that I think he does siphon off some carries from Damian Harris. And we both know that Damian Harris is not active in the pass game. So at best, this is a two-way timeshare, but likely a three-way backfield. They're all priced up, so they're really hard to captain just with the timeshare. And then on Atlanta, like Cordero Patterson's dealing with an injury. 
there's a chance he might not play. And if he does play, perhaps he's limited. He's hard to captain. Atlanta's really playing without a number one receiver. Jacoby Myers, I mean, they they spread the target share in New England around so evenly between Myers, the tight ends. I think we'll get Jonu back tonight. And then even like Nelson Aguilar, Nikhil Harry, these guys are all involved. None of them really playing that elite role. So who, uh, who else is our like cash game play at captain? I know. I'll tell you, it's ugly though. You remember last week, you and I were talking about how crazy it was to see you know, a wide receiver in a game like that with a near 50% top play probability on our top, uh, our showdown top plays tool. And we've seen Lamar Jackson at like 65% uh, on these showdown slates. On this one, there's not a lot to get excited about, but Mac Jones has a 30% top play probability. And that to me is, that seems so high. I mean, the guy has been a modest fantasy producer all season long, Matt. And a lot of these games that they win going away, uh, they just just win in in blowouts. He's not asked to do a lot, right? That that's kind of where I'm at. But you're you're right. What, what are your alternatives? What are your good clear alternatives here? Like I said, the top stack, top plays tool. Sorry, thirty point seven percent optimal captain probability, fourteen point two percent. 14% captain ownership. He actually has a positive leverage score, according to our tool. Right. You said a lot of things I, I kind of want to dig into here. Please. For low-risk contests, your smaller fields, if you're playing any kind of small tournaments, I think because those probabilities are so high, Mac Jones is your safest play. But I think he comes with a little more volatility than maybe like a Josh Allen or think of some other quarterbacks that have had really high like top play probabilities. And that's because New England's game script is, is really volatile. So when they're down in games, they're going to throw the ball to get back. They're going to use Mac Jones in his little dink and dunk way he typically gets there. But when they're ahead, they're just going to run the hell out of the ball with Ramondre Damien, which makes him a little more volatile. If they do play to the spread here, I, I think you do see a lot of rushing attempts, which could make this a really nice GPP slate. Because of the timeshare in the backfield, there's a lot of different players you could captain and see getting that ceiling score. And a lot of it kind of just depends on how the touchdowns would shake out at that point. But for tournaments, I don't mind fading Mac Jones at all. And maybe you don't just downright fade him. I'd like him in the flex quite a bit as well. And he is going to produce to some degree. But there are ways you could see getting away from him in the captain spot. You know, it's funny, man. You look at, um, you look at Jacoby Myers, who finally scored his first touchdown. At, in the, and not this season, but at the NFL level, his first touchdown. It, it's amazing. He's been in the league since, what, 2018, right? I believe that was his final year at NC State, but I could be wrong. Uh, you know, you're probably right. Probably, probably, yeah, you're right. That was the last time he scored a touchdown. You're right. I think 19 was his first year, so it's been a while. But, again, and this is why you can't look at a guy and say, well, he just doesn't score touchdowns. You know, I hate hearing that stuff. And generally speaking, it's been true. But he's still plus 140 to score a touchdown, for which as a receiver, like a non-elite receiver, that's pretty standard, right? Like. Kyle Pitts is plus 175 to score uh, among the, what I'm saying here is that if you're going into this one, it, it you don't want to necessarily look at it like, oh, well, now he's scored. He's not going to score again for another two seasons, plus 140 to score uh, again, though, low passing volume. So the big thing for me is when you're looking at a and I want to tie this, I want to tie Mac Jones into into Myers and, and guys like Aguilar, Matt, and of course, Hunter Henry. And if you want to talk about Jenny Smith, we can do that as well. But Mac Jones is not a mobile quarterback to where you see that top play probability and go, okay, I could really just stack him with one of these guys and probably be okay. On a slate like this, if he's going to be the top scorer, it's either going to be a low scoring game and he doesn't need to do a ton. And if that's the case, I'm almost inclined to go with running backs there uh, or Jacoby Myers and Hunter Henry and, and Nelson Aguilar or Smith. Two of them probably have good enough games to be in the optimal for a single game showdown slate. Yeah, when you're thinking about captain, I just try to think who has a path to potentially outscoring Mac Jones in the captain spot. I think the runners, the path is pretty clear. They get up in this game, they're playing with positive game script, and then ideally one of them punches in multiple touchdowns, and that's how you would get there. I, I don't have a feel for who that is. I think Ramondre or Damian Harris both could be used in that role. Ramondre is a bigger back, but Damian Harris. He kind of has the bigger body of work, the larger sample in the NFL. Ramondre, we're basically just going off a couple games, but both of them have that path. In the receiving game, I think it's a little more volatile. 
Jacoby Myers, he's your leader in terms of like target share and stuff. And everything you mentioned about the red zone role is true. I'm not buying into he's only scored one touchdown in the NFL. Like he's an undrafted free agent. He didn't even play a lot early in his career. Now it's it's funny that he's beaten out like first round receiver to kill Harry. But I mean, this is a guy that hasn't always had a ton of opportunities. So I think we need to consider that. But then outside of him, like the tight ends, especially if John who comes back, like that could be a rotation. So that's really hard to see one of them outscoring Mac Jones. The wide receiver two and threes devolved into a rotation. Nelson Aguilar is still on the field a little more than like the Nikhil Harry's and the Kendrick Bournes of the world, but none of them have like a phenomenal target share. And then we're talking about a game that's supposed to be played to a touchdown. New England about a touchdown favorite here, a little bit more in some spots. That doesn't bode well for like a voluminous role for any of these pass catchers. Large field tournaments, I could see like a Jacoby Myers or something there, but I don't think it's the most probable situation. Neither do I. And it's that that's the thing when it comes to are you just it's just kind of a, a spray and pray situation here where you have like Jacoby Myers. And I think ownership probably plays into it as well, because if you look at this, we've got Jacoby Myers ownership projected um, pretty high right now, around 50 percent total ownership. Then you have Aguilar around 30 percent, Kendrick Bourne around 25 and then the price points, the, the, the reason Aguilar to me at least is somewhat interesting is because he's a lot cheaper than Kendrick Bourne. And I'm not really sure, Matt, that he should be that much cheaper. I understand that Kendrick Bourne recently uh, has certainly taken on a, a bigger role in this New England offense. You know, he's seen four plus targets in, in four straight games, which is encouraging. And I would assume the fact that he has two touchdowns over his last five um, will boost that up a little bit along with his ownership, but is he really getting that much more uh, opportunity than someone like Nelson Aguilar? Now, neither of these guys are particularly exciting. Don't get me wrong, but I still look at this, uh, the, these pass catchers and say, all right, I mean, Aguilar is still on the field a lot more than Kendrick Bourne is yet. He's a lot cheaper than him this week. To be honest with you, I like Aguilar more than Bourne in a vacuum. I think okay. the underlying metrics are a lot better for Aguilar. Yeah. You have, you have, Kendrick Bourne getting squeezed from multiple directions now, especially if Janu plays. Like when Janu plays and they have Hunter and Janu, it's Kendrick Bourne coming off the field, not Nelson Aguilar. You saw Nikhil Harry come back and play a decent amount of snaps. And again, like both these teams were in egregious blowouts last week. So how much would Nikhil Harry really play if they hadn't just blown the doors off off the, the Cleveland Browns? I'm not necessarily sure about that. But either way, if Nikhil Harry plays a little bit more, that's going to hurt Bourne. If, if we want to get our hands in the dirt here, get into some football guy takes like Nelson Aguilar has a skill set that none of the other receivers have. Jacoby Myers is an unathletic slot receiver and Kendrick Bourne and Nikhil Harry are these big body like possession receivers, these contested catch receivers. Nelson Aguilar is the only burner that this team has. And we've seen that reflected in Snapshare. He's not the guy coming off the field. Jacoby Myers isn't either because of talent, but Nelson Aguilar provides something to this offense that none of the other pass catchers do. So I think his, his role is secure. He's not really a good fit with Mac Jones, who just dinks and dunks his way to these semi-productive outings. But if he catches a long ball, like that's viable for tournaments. I think so too. And really the, the one thing I mentioned, God, I don't know, I guess it was on the ownership show with, with you and, and Eric a couple of weeks ago was, and, and, and granted for larger slates, it's, it's very easy to ignore these spots, but, Jenu Smith was actually leading the team in red zone targets, Matt, also leading the team in targets inside of the 10 yard line. Um, Hunter Henry leads in, inside the five, you know, goal line targets, but it, Smith is the prototypical guy on a showdown slate where, you know, the secondary tight ends the are the ones that are always scoring. Jenu Smith is the type of guy that could easily go, three for 25 and a touchdown. Now, again, none of these guys were, were we can, we can feign excitement over some of them, but none of them you're going to look at and go, man, absolutely love that guy today. But we do have to make arguments for some of them or against them. And I think with Johnny Smith, just the fact that he's still, despite missing uh, a game is still leading the team with double digit red zone targets this year makes him viable at a really, really cheap price point. To me, this is a pretty decent punt today with them being a 27-point implied total team and seven-point favorites. Right. I actually like Johnu a bit if he plays. 
they use Hunter Henry and John a little bit differently. When healthy, John Smith is primarily their inline tight end. And then Hunter Henry, it's not quite 50-50 slot and inline, but it's close. It's like 40% inline, like 60% in the slot sometimes. And that flips it on occasion. But Hunter Henry's the guy that will come off the field like on occasion for some of these situations. And he's the one that cannibalizes like your Kendrick Bournes and stuff, whereas John is really good at blocking. He's a hyper-athletic tight end. But his, his role is pretty clear. So I'm fine getting to John, especially at this price. Obviously, the concern with him is the injury. And we'll know that before, before kickoff. He looks like he is a legit question after he missed last week's game. So, of course, watch your live before locks. Pay attention to this. But if he's active and he's healthy, his role is pretty clear. For sure. And, and, and yeah, we have to make sure he plays. You're really only hoping for a few targets from him. And it's funny. It's weird, too, because I remember I was looking at this. I don't know when it was, but I just pulled it back up now. He was targeted five-plus times through the first four weeks of the season, Matt. Uh, and then since then, you've just seen uh, a large drop-off in opportunity. I'm wondering what that is. Is that Mac Jones becoming more comfortable? Is that them just, you know, curtailing the, the offense a little bit? Because he's been basically a two-target-per-game player. Usually one of those targets does come in the red zone, though, which is exactly why I'm saying it's viable because of how cheap he is. But – yeah, his role as a pass catcher definitely has subsided a bit over the second half of the se- of, of what we've got so far. Yeah, I think there's just like a little bit of noise to that, them using a lot of two tight end sets. They, they don't really have a good receiver on the team. I mean, I, I think Jacoby Myers is fine, but at the end of the day, he's still like an undrafted free agent. So a lot of this, I think, comes down to just game plan specific things, and it's going to be a situation that's volatile on a week-to-week basis. And you can catch the John New like five-target game, I think that's great, but I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that averages like more than three, three or four targets a game max, just because he's kind of in like a, a little like mosh pit of five guys that are all like relatively the same skill set. I think you could argue Hunter Henry's their most skilled pass catcher. He's just splitting time with Johnu, but I mean, like they don't have a clear alpha and I think it's going to rotate on a week to week basis. Where are you at on Hunter Henry? If we were to crystallize this down a little bit more uh, at his current price point. Yeah, I think he's hurt by Janu returning. If Janu, if Janu is out, I think it solidifies the role for Hunter Henry. But again, that's going to come down to what we see pregame. Otherwise, like I don't really see there being a huge difference between him and Janu. The only thing is that Hunter Henry flexes into the slot a little bit more. So perhaps the targets are like a little higher quality, maybe a little further downfield, more usable for DFS. But at the same time, like when John who plays, they're basically in a 50-50 timeshare. Without John who last week, his snap spiked up to 82%. So the ideal Hunter Henry configuration would have John who Smith out of this game. I'm not sure we get it though. Dude, Hunter Henry has a 31% touchdown rate over the last five weeks too. Not necess- help. Yeah, not That'll necessarily help. sustainable. But right. And he's more expensive than John who, like significantly. Oh yeah, it's not even close. I mean- way more 7,000 to 2,400. He yeah. scored. He's been scoring a lot of touchdowns. No doubt about that. He has seven on the season and they've all come since week four. So Hunter Henry, again, is a, a threat inside the red zone, but Matt, wh- like, okay, here, here's, we can close out the pass catches. I'd, I'd love to get you kind of ranking these guys from uh, an ownership and, and salary standpoint. But the way I see it is you look at a lot of these games. Okay. He scored in week nine. He had nine, he had 9.9 DraftKings points. He scored in week seven. He had 10 DraftKings points. He scored in week six. He had 10 DraftKings points. Um, he scored in week four. He had uh, 13. Now there were a couple where he had 19 against Houston last week, of course, catching two touchdowns on four targets. It's going to get you up to 19, but at 7,000 or 10, five in the captain spot, I'm not loving the fact that you could get a touchdown from him and he's still not even close to optimal at that price point. I a hundred percent agree with you. I think he's a tournament play who becomes better. If John who sits, yes. but if, if John who's active, I, I think he is one of the worst plays on the board, just price adjusted. And now if you're playing like tournaments, you, you're probably going to want to, and you're running like 150 lineups or something, you probably want exposure to him, but he has a pretty significant negative leverage score based on our tools. And I think a lot of that just comes down to pricing. Like, like Hunter Henry is the player. He's just too expensive for the role he's playing in what looks like it's going to be a run heavy offense. If he doesn't score. Yeah. There's no way you're getting there. Zero chance. Um, Yeah. It's not, it's not Hunter Henry on the chargers. There's just no volume. 
So if you guys haven't checked out Jock Market yet, I'd love to tell you about it in case you're wondering. Our great producer, Mike Lawrence, will throw that up on the screen as well. Uh, I don't know if you have an overlay or anything for that or a graphic, Mike. If you do, if you don't, that's my fault. I thought we did. But uh, Jock Market, 100% turning fantasy sports into a stock exchange. And I know so many of us are into all of that stuff, be it crypto, day trading, DFS, betting, fantasy sports, all of that. Here you can make money down to the hour, to the minute, all the way down to the second by buying and selling shares of players in real time for real money. Now, all of that is well and good, but what makes it interesting is the fact that you have a pregame IPO period where you can pick up shares of your favorite players. So maybe you watch these shows. Uh, maybe you check out our projections, our ownership, all of that stuff over at Awesomeo, or you use the free, 100% free jock market IPO projections that we have that'll help you beat the market at Awesomeo. They're free 365 days a year. Whatever it is, you can pick them up. Then throughout the day, buy or buy more. You can sell them. You can hold on to them however you want to play it. But that's really where it comes into play. You're as the same as you would anywhere else in other type of any type of speculative market. You are, are betting on these players earlier in the day. And it doesn't have to be like you can start later in the day, but with the IPO period, giving yourself an opportunity to make those right decisions and profit on them. Hell, even before the game starts, potentially, depending on what happens in the market leading up to lock. So very cool format. Uh, if you go to, uh, to the app store or the Google play store and just type in jock market, J O C K space M K T it'll pop up and you can download the app. Super easy to use, not an insane time commitment, all of that stuff you're looking to do when making money. And if you use the promo code awesome, a W E S E M O get up to a $50 bonus on your first deposit. So last thing, first market guarantee at jock market means that they'll refund any losses in your first NFL or NBA market up to $100 on your first time. So you can get the $50 deposit bonus using the promo code Osmo, and you have that first market guarantee of a refund up to $100 if you don't profit. So check it out in the App Store, Google Play Store. That's Jock Market, sponsor of the Strategy Show. All right, Matt, the backfield here. I'm looking over at Odd Shopper this morning, and I come across, I always like to sort by expected ROI or expected win rate. And I see Damian Harris, man, with a 26% expected ROI, 70% expected win rate, and our projections that are actually behind the paywall at Awesome are, are free because they're at, at Odd Shopper because they're next to the name on every single bet. We have him projected at 66.2 rushing yards, and his prop is at 51 and a half on Bet Rivers, minus 116. That's where the best spot to get it is. I already hit it. But we're what I'm saying here is if you're using this from a DFS standpoint, also a betting standpoint, we're definitely projecting Damian Harris to come back into the mix and get a decent amount of work, even though Stevenson looked good last week. And I think that's fine. He's been really good when he's been healthy. And I think you can hang your hat on the fact that he's not dealing with like a soft tissue injury or something that might pull him out of the game. It was a concussion, which is more, I, I don't want to say like, binary but kind of in a way it is like you pass protocol and then you're, you're full go it's not something that you re you really aggravate you know what I mean so I, I do think the workload is going to be hurt a little bit by Ramondre Stevenson but not to the point and our projections bear this out where we are going under on like a prop set at nearly 50 yards and then I think there's multiple ways to get there even if the role isn't what you think it is this is a spot where he could get there on raw efficiency as well obviously a good matchup against a poor Atlanta defense and their touchdown favorite. So game script should be in their favor, potentially elevating the carries for both Harris and Stevenson. There's just a lot of ways this pays off. Let me change course for a second. Is this a slate where we should really be looking towards, and I'm not leading you with this question. It just, it, it feels like it needs to be asked. Is this a slate where we should be leaning into the idea that the volatility is high or the unpredictability level is pretty high? and that we should be considering captaining guys that we probably wouldn't be captaining on most showdown slates? I think so. I, I think that is reflected in the running back position. And basically it comes down to, we don't know who's going to be getting the work. And because of that, you see both Harris and Ramondre at expensive price points, but that's driving down the ownership for both. Ramondre is coming in a lot lower owned than, than Damian. And I think that's because, He's been behind Damian most of the year. He has a very small sample through his career of being an efficient back, but maybe he did work his way into some extra, some extra touches in this spot. That could be something 
where you get some leverage. And there is like one little difference in the usage between Harris and Ramondre I want to point out. They have not really been that hesitant to use Ramondre as a pass catcher, but with Harris, they have for whatever reason. I actually thought Harris was a pretty good pass catcher coming out of Alabama, so it's been curious to me. But Ramondre has seen a little more work in the pass game. So I think even if they platoon these backs, maybe it's not Brandon Bolden getting all the receiving work and maybe Ramondre siphons off a little bit of that. Normally, I would be interested in playing these backs together for the appeal of just a contrarian lineup, but they're so expensive on this slate that that's kind of hard here. But I think for captain spot, there's paths to both of them outscoring Mac Jones. It comes down to how the touchdowns shake out. I'm with you. And hey, Brandon Bolden is questionable. So if he ends up sitting, granted, we know how the questionable tags work in New England. They're, they're uh, mostly blankets, <laughs> blanket statement to everybody on the team. Exactly. Right. Do you remember a few years ago for, for a while where you had what, like 20 of them on the injury report every week? Dude, it's close to that this week. Like there's probably a dozen. There's a lot. Yeah. Like, you know, Nick Falk's going to play. He's questionable. You know, a lot of these, the Johnny Smith one's weird because he's, he was playing through the injury and then missed the game because of the same injury that he'd been playing through. So it's kind of strange, but Matt, how willing are you to play two? How willing are you to play Stevenson and Harris in the same lineups in large field tournaments? I think it's viable. You wish it wasn't such like a, a salary draining endeavor, but there's a clear path to them both getting there. And it's like New England gets the open kickoff, they go down and score control time of possession for the whole game. And Mac Jones ends the game with like 20 attempts. And then you have Ramondre and Damian probably each punching in a touchdown, but maybe they're both at 15 carries or something. I, I think you can captain one and use the other, even in a situation where you think they both do well, but maybe it's one that scores all the touchdowns. It's going to be close in price to Mac Jones. I think if you, if you take that approach, you're either doing like full new England onslaught, or you're just assuming that it's new England controlling the game from the outset. And because there are some cheaper plays like, Aguilar and Janu, and we haven't even talked about the other side of the ball but there are some really cheap options where you can definitely make this work I wish it was a little cheaper but I'm still willing to do it okay Dude, did you uh actually I'll, I'll get to that in a second I, I'm willing to do it too I'm not huge on it but if the the way I look at it is if this ends up being one of those games where they throttle their opponent again and they drop like 35 points Matt and I know that's still that would still be kind of an outlier uh, performance, then you're probably going to get a lot of, a, a lot of, of goal line attempts and, and rushing attempts inside the 20. I, I think that could make a difference. So um, yeah, the, the backfield here is just one where I'm willing to target because they're not getting a lot of cap. If you, it sounds crazy, but like we've seen, and, and our, our boy, Steve, uh, Steven Leibowitz, who's always hanging out with us here. What's up, Steven says, what we know about Belichick is that the RB rotations will screw up your DFS play immutable law of nature right but they could also meet they could also be the reason you win on a showdown slate like this what happens and yes i, I already told you over at odd shopper i love that projection we love that projection we love the we love everything about that over for the damian harris rushing yards but what happens if ramaj stevenson gets rewarded for last week playing really well and bill belichick being the you know the, unpre the unpredictable nature of Bill Belichick in his backfield, which actually isn't true. And I'll get to that in a second. Uh, maybe, maybe Ramondre Stevenson gets like a 60 40 split and gets the goal line work. Um, but Matt, can I just say the idea that Bill Belichick is this guy that just rotates through backs. It's such a false narrative. Like if you go back to, LeGarrette, uh, LeGarrette Blunt days. LeGarrette Blunt was second in the league in carries that one year with the Patriots. If you look at Sonny Michelle, Sonny Michelle was top 10 in carries in back-to-back -back seasons as a rookie and then his second year, or maybe like top 15. Either way, Bilicek will use a, a lead back if he has to, and Damian Harris has been that guy this year. We just don't know what it'll look like after him missing a week. Right, and that's the uncertainty. And Steven has a point. I, I don't think it necessarily screws up your DFS Jonas play. Gray. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you like that one? Four touchdown game. Yeah, man. I, re I remember that vividly. Did he ever um, touch the ball again? No, he, but he essentially, I think he got that opportunity because of an injury. 
And then people yeah. thought he was playing his way into a larger role and Belichick cast him aside. I don't remember why, but sorry, you were saying Steven has a point. Yeah. He has a great point that sometimes Belichick does, does do this at in situations. I think a lot of it's like injury focused and Ramondre playing so well adds a little wrinkle into this, that perhaps he worked his way into a larger timeshare, but even working under this assumption, I don't think it's bad for DFS. I think you swing into it knowing that there's going to be a little less ownership on the individual backs and you can, you can play a situation where you think Damian Harris goes back to his old role. You can build lineups with the assumption that Ramondre's worked his way into a larger timeshare. You can also work with the assumption that it's 50-50 and they just route Atlanta so bad that both of them get there. I like using multiple lineups and approaching the situation, knowing that it might come in with some ownership leverage in a spot where they could get a lot of work. Should we be strongly considering defense and kicker on the Patriots side? I think so with as bad as Matt Ryan's been. We just saw Dallas beat him by like 40 points. Yeah. So so certainly, especially if you're doing New England onslaughts, and that's where I think you get to these kickers, these defenses. This game doesn't have the highest total on the board, so I think it's one where you can certainly get to some of those things. Low-risk contests, I'm still probably avoiding it because we do have some value plays, but ultimately I'm fine with, with Falk. I think he's going to play and be fine. I'm fine with the Patriots' defense with as bad as Atlanta's been. And we haven't broken down that offense yet, but my goodness, Matt Ryan, he's not working with a spectacular cast of crew around him. All right. So now we've got uh, <clears throat> the, the, the Falcons. If you thought it was tough breaking down the Patriots, Wait till we get to the Falcons. Matt, if you're prioritizing the Patriots just for someone that might be jumping in or doesn't have the, the entire morning to hang out with us, and, and if you do have the entire morning, you should stick around at 11 a.m. when Matt Savoka and I do the Marathon Matchup Show, which will get you ready for everything for Sunday. It's all you need. How would you prioritize these Patriots options today, and are there any sneaky captains or MVPs that you like for tonight? I still think it's Jacoby Myers one. And I, I, I knew you were going to ask me this. So I kind of try to reference it with our, our leverage scores and our, our top plays probability tool we have over at Osimo. Jacoby Myers still coming in with the highest leverage score, which means even though he's owned, he's not as owned as he should be. And you're actually gaining some positive leverage if you play him in the captain spot. And one thing we didn't touch on is like, what if Atlanta gets up in this game? What if Atlanta gets the opening kickoff and they go down the field and score? I don't Possible. I don't think it's very likely, but how many times this year have we seen just games go awry? And in recent weeks, too, like Buffalo losing to Jacksonville, you name the game, it's happened. So if Atlanta gets up in this game for whatever reason and Mac Jones is forced into a pass-heavier script, we know Jacoby is his number one. That's something you could look to in just an alternative game script for tournaments. Outside of him, I think Aguilar is number two for all the reasons we mentioned. I don't think he's squeezed by Nikhil Harry playing a little bit or John who coming back healthy. His field stretcher role is pretty consistent. And his price is not egregious. My third is John, who assuming he plays just because he is so cheap. He's going to be in a direct 50-50 timeshare with Hunter Henry. And then from there, I'm kind of fine getting to like the Bournes, the Nikhil Harrys, the Hunter Henrys, and GPPs. But I would rank them first, Jacoby Myers, two, Nelson Aguilar, three, John U. Smith. Okay. Seven points is not that big of a spread. Just like it, This game could go any direction. It's just Atlanta's not very good, but seven points is not, this is not Buffalo, New York Jets with Mike White at the helm. That's all, you know. Um, all right, so I, I, wanna, I wanna shout out everybody for Odd Shopper. Did you see, did you see Jordan just, just binked again? Yes, I did. I did this morning. He's got three in a row, right? Well, maybe not in a row, but three in like a week span, two week span. I think it's like five now. He's up to five? I, th I think it's five. Yeah. I don't think we've updated this hall of fame yet. So I, I there's too many in here for me to do. I, I, I don't know why we have nine slides, uh, Mike. So I'm going to do it on the matchup show, but I want to shout everybody out and uh, Jordan, our boy, T.O. Deck, everybody hang around for the showdown show or the, the matchup show when we'll have some more time. There's just, there's nine. We got a lot. Here. A lot of people are winning right now, which is really nice to see. <laughs> Uh, so I'm not going to complain about us having a ton of slides and people tweeting us, but uh, if you want to get involved, right, you want to get the love, the shout outs and a free month of awesome. plus $90 value, all of our tools, every single sport, go to awesome. slash avatar and download that avatar. Okay. Use it on DraftKings, FanDuel, Yahoo, whatever it is. If you finish top three in a field of 5,000 or more, you will not only get featured here and become the newest member of the Awesome Hall of Fame, 
It's never ending. Uh, but you will also get a free month of Awesome Plus. You just have to tweet us at Awesome HOF, Awesome Hall of Fame. Include Matt in that as well, at Matt underscore Gajewski, G-A-J-E-W-S-K-I, myself at Lafay underscore D, because um, we like to see that stuff. Hit us with a follow while you're at it. And yeah, you get a free month of Awesome Plus, man. And you're winning and you're getting shown some love. It's a win, win, win around here. So yeah, congrats to everybody. There's just a lot. So I'll do it all in the matchup show when we have some more time. Matt, talk to me about Matt Ryan. I actually like Matt Ryan. I, I think he's a pretty strong buy low at this point. And I, I mean, it's hard to play as bad as he has in some spots. But first and foremost, you think this is going to be a pass-heavy game script from them as long as it plays to the spread, which they're, they're touched on underdogs. New England secondary, it, it's not the same. They played pretty well for the most part. They're middling in terms of pass defense um, up from most metrics. But, I mean, they're not the just stonewall defense of old. They can be beat a little bit there. So the matchup, I think, is middling for Matt Ryan. The one thing I hope for him is that Cordero Patterson plays. But assuming he's at full strength, we know Ridley's not going to be out there, but full strength working with what they have, he should be throwing the ball a lot. And at this point, I do think he's a pretty strong buy low, not just for DFS, but you mentioned our odd shopper tool earlier. When, when you sort by, sort by expected win rate and ROI, Matt Ryan is another one of these players that has a pretty wide discrepancy between some of the props you can find him in our projections. One I really like is the over on his completions, 21 and a half. He's projected for 23.7 based on our tools, which gives you a 70% win rate. And that one's available at Caesars. Again, shop around if you're not, if you can't get Caesars, maybe you could find this at a similar line, but overall Matt Ryan for DFS He's a little expensive on FanDuel. I do not think he's a great play because he's inexplicably more expensive than Mac Jones, but on DraftKings, I actually have some interest in, in Matt Ryan. I think there's a lot of ways that he could potentially beat like a Mac Jones. We talked about the potential just captain by attrition situation. Like what if new England gets up in the game, Mac Jones doesn't have the volume. And then it's just split 50, 50 between Damien Harris and Ramondre where they get so much work between the two of them that they just cannibalize each other. And then Matt Ryan in a negative game script gets there because everybody else is just in an unfavorable spot. I think there's a lot of ways you could build with Matt Ryan, particularly on DraftKings. I'm hitting that. You were saying the completions for, uh, for Matt Ryan. Yep. It's at 21 and a half. And then yeah. we have him projected for 23.7, giving you a 70% win rate. Um, the ROI is also very high 31%. I'm hitting that for sure. Uh, in PA, you can get it on DraftKings as well. Uh, just a little bit of juice on the over, but I like it when you've got that type of ROI uh, and, and that expected win rate, we're projecting him for what more than two more completions than, yeah. than his prop is sitting at right now. So, and look like, I understand Matt Ryan's played poorly and you don't want to like touch Matt Ryan, probably in the prop market at all, just like from an intuition perspective, but they're going to be throwing the ball and they're going to be throwing the ball a lot. They've been down in a lot of these games. I, I do think there's a chance like chemistry develops throughout the season with Kyle Pitts and some of these younger pass catchers. But first and foremost, like the volume is going to be there for Matt Ryan. And that's the most important thing when considering these props. And that's borne out in our tools. You want to hear his completion since week two? Let's hear it. 35, 27, 25, 33, 25, 20, 23, 9. So, so he's only I been under it twice. He's been under it twice since week two. Of course, under in week one at 21, though. So in, in what? In, in nine games, he's gone over six times. He went under by one and, and two twice. It was just, listen, as bad as they were against Dallas, and this is not a good Falcons team. Neither you or myself are, are espousing the virtues of this offense in, in Atlanta. That's an outlier game for Matt Ryan, nine of 21. Like, they're still going to need to throw. Um, and one thing I like about that is he won't have to go for anything insane. But, Matt, he's always the type of guy that throws a lot, right? Throws a lot, completes a lot of passes, throws for a lot of yards, just doesn't throw for a ton of touchdowns. That's always kind of been Matt Ryan's forte. Uh, he's got 15 scores in nine games. I got to be honest with you. I keep coming back to this. Like, I am kind of surprised that we have, and I, I understand that they are seven-point dogs. That makes a big difference, especially with when it comes to projections. That's also why we haven't projected for a lot of completions. But if they do go down early, you could see a decent game from Ryan. I, I'm surprised that he only has an 8.8% .8 top play probability. I mean, 
in all seriousness, his captain opt optimal captain probability is 10% under, or it's 10%. It's third highest. It's only 4% below Mac Jones. And his overall ownership is kind of a lot lower than Mac Jones. I'm convincing myself to play a lot more Matt Ryan than I normally would have, just because who's more likely to go for 300 yards and two touchdowns? Is it him or Mac Jones? It feels like Matt Ryan to me, but our numbers say differently. Yeah, I think it comes down to the, the negative leverage that Matt Ryan has is only in utility. He actually has a pretty significant positive leverage score in the captain spot. And then he's basically right on field in terms of utility ownership. So I, I think there's some interesting ways to build based on what our tools are saying. And that is with a Matt Ryan captain. And I think that's just because a lot of people might go to the Mac Jones captain, or I, perhaps they just want to take the New England approach and play one of their backs. But it doesn't look like Matt Ryan's getting a lot of love in the captain spot in particular based on our tools. And he is coming in with some ownership. It's just not enough based on these tools. And again, there's many ways that, that he can pay this off. In negative game script, they're obviously throwing the ball a ton. They're not a team that has had a lot of success on the ground this year. So even if they punch the ball in maybe on the first drive of the game and play with a lead, I'm not necessarily sure that they take the foot off the gas with Matt Ryan, similar to how a Patriots might with Mac Jones. I think there's a lot of paths for him to get there. The big worry, obviously, is the, just the wild inefficiency they've experienced over the last couple of weeks. But Matt Ryan has a couple of ways that he could pay this off. What do you think the record is this year? I know it's better than you think. And Steven bring this, brings this up in the chat. They were in playoff seed tentatively last week. So I, would, they, would they have three or four wins? If, yeah, four and five. Yeah, and that, like, the... The new playoff structure is such a disaster. Like every, every year there's going to be at least one team under 500 flirting with playoff berth because of how the division shake out. So last year it was the, the Giants and the football team. Maybe this year it's the Falcons. I don't know. But the playoff structure is a disaster. I can still taste the tears of Giants fans, Matt, when the Philadelphia oh, Get Eagles. out of here with that. Those bums. <laughs> what? I have no sympathy no, for, for Joe Judge. Sucked. They sucked. What did they no expect? No sympathy. Well, why would why would you ever give up an opportunity to to move up four spots in the draft to sixth overall? Which, granted, landed them probably a top ten pick next year because they traded with the Dolphins. The Eagles make it out like bandits on that. But you're supposed to have integrity and be like, you know what? No, let's let's get a worse pick and, and give our divisional foe an opportunity to get into the playoffs. At what would they have been like six and ten, seven yeah. and like something ridiculous? So so stupid. Listen, man, there's there's no in integrity in this league, and I don't think there should be. Like, I why is why is that measured like the the integrity measure for this spot? I I it's don't silly. understand it. Yeah, it's I, silly, but it made I, me happy. It made me and happy I think, too. I, I'm not even an Eagles fan. I know you are. So it has a special place in your heart, but it's just like <laughs> anytime you can spite a team that obviously struggles with their like analytical approach and has a bad owner, like I'm all for it. I'll be honest, Matt. I would have, uh, can we move that? Uh, I would have, um, I would have thought it was entertaining and I would have laughed at it no matter what team it was. Doesn't have to be the Eagles. Just the fact that people really thought a team should throw a game or should, should play highly competitive football when it completely doesn't benefit them to do so. You know, it so, could have been anything. Even as a Giants fan, like, answer me this. You make the playoffs, like, the, the draft seeding is not solely based on record. Like, you get into the playoffs at 6-10, and 10, you're automatically drafting behind, like, the teams that were 8-8 eight and eight or whatever that didn't make the playoffs. The Giants going into the playoffs, theoretically, Joe Judge, what was your chance of winning the Super Bowl? Like, a half a percent with that right. roster? Right. So you're automatically losing however many draft picks with you're a lame duck walking into the playoffs. Like I know you get to play an extra game and that affects your salary, but like, what are we doing here? It's stupid. They shouldn't have wanted to make the playoffs. How crazy is that? Right. Because they had what the, what was their pick? The, the 13th pick or no, they traded down the 13. No, they traded away 13 for, they to, went to 23 or something to get right. But they were 13. If you, and I think this might have been what you're saying, but if yeah, if you make the playoffs, you're automatically a bottom, however many pick, like a bottom four. What is it, fourteen pick? I don't. They expanded the playoffs. I forget. The fourteen, yeah. Number. So yeah. seven and seven, but you immediately aren't getting a pick where you should be based on your record. So yeah, and you're I, not live to win anything. 
Exactly. Well, right. That's what I'm saying. You have no chance to win anything and you, you intentionally make your draft pick worse. So. That's what I don't understand about the Giants and John Mara is an owner and he's one of the worst owners in football. He's just an old rich man with money, but like, wouldn't you want to reward some self-awareness and for the Eagles last year, having that self-awareness that even if we make the playoffs, I can't remember what their situation was. And I, I think they could have possibly gotten in on tiebreakers. Who the Eagles? Not at that point, not at that stage. Okay. No. So then they were dead anyway. So what, knowing having the self-awareness to know you can improve your situation, even if it's marginally by losing the game, like why, why would you throw, why would you purposely try to like win the game for the sake of like football integrity? It doesn't make any sense. EWWE says giants would have won the division. And that's important, especially for job status. A division champion is still a champion. And nah, no, no, I mean, no, no. And then anyone that's been like, well, didn't you see the Eli teams that got in and won at nine and seven as a wild card? You, you can miss me with that one because that is not an Eli team right there. I'll tell you that much. I mean, there have been some teams that have got like the Packers won as a six seed, but I'm pretty sure like they had a horrific start to the year, dealt with injuries and Rogers, that was this whole run the table thing. And then they got into the playoffs as a six seed. They clearly were not like the sixth best team in the NFC. Like that team arguably could have had like a buy if things had shaken out different in the beginning of the year. So it's like a completely different argument. Yeah, for sure. I, I think you should just not, first of all, I don't think division winners should instantly get a home game. Could you imagine the giants having a, well, no, the Redskins, the Washington football team did have a home game. Matt, I almost did that when I game. said that team. Yeah. I mean, there's just like, you shouldn't be rewarded for being bad, but the way the NFL is, you are. So, I mean, like, why not play to that? Yep. Hey, Detroit Tigers 44. I'm pulling for your lions, man. I, I always pull for the underdog. I, I don't pull for the 016, even though they'd be the first team to do it. <laughs> Calvin Johnson was on that team. Oh my God. Yeah. Jared Goff's not very good. Uh, but Hey, you'll get one soon enough. You, they've had, and, and we'll, we're going to close it. We're going to, we're going to get to the Falcons here, break down the pass catchers and the running backs. Don't worry. But can I just say one last thing on this, Matt, they have had so many chances to win football games this year. The lions, I'm not making that up. Like they've had so many chances to win and found ways to squander it. I, I kind of feel bad. And I honestly like me too. don't really care who wins and loses. Cause I think most of the time, like the good teams are rewarded for being good and making good decisions. And that's not the case with the bad teams looking at you giants, but like <laughs> uh, Detroit's actually done some good things in some spots and they, they come up so short, so short. I love Dan Campbell and people always say, I, Oh, what are you a boomer? I love Dan Campbell. He's man. awesome. He, he's awesome. He has a, do not give a f attitude. First of all, like he knows we're not a good team. Yeah, we're going for it on fourth and ten at our own twenty-five. Why would we not? I love it, man. I, I love that approach too. And he takes responsibility in a way that's not just you know fake and and bullshit. I, I like. I don't know if he's good coach. His team stinks. Like the roster he has stinks, and they lost a ton of defensive players to start the year too. So they stink. But uh, I'm pulling for you, Dan Campbell, and all you Lions fans. All right, Matt, how are we approaching the pass catchers here from Pitts to Russell Gage, who could legitimately just give you a zero? Uh, Zacchaeus, Tajay Sharp. It, again, is it another spray and pray situation with most of these guys outside of Pitts, of course, who even he has been super volatile. Yeah, everyone's acted like Pitts had two great games and now he's just locked in. Outside of those two games since week three, he has. Five, three, five fantasy points, nine, then the 29 and the 26 sandwiched in between another three, nine and 10. Yeah, man. I, I mean, he's on a bad team. That's just how yeah. it's going to go. He's it's not going to be Tyree kill every single week. It's not an indictment on pits, Matt. I'm just saying no, like, he's he, on a, he's on a bad offense. It's like with Waller and some of these guys that are elite options, but they play on bad teams. Like it's not going to be all roses. Sometimes these guys are going to be down based on the overall inefficiency of the offense. What you look to on a single game slate like this is the volumes there for Pitts. So I do think he is the number one stacking option with Ryan. That's kind of priced in Russell Gage. Like you mentioned one, I think Pitts is just a supremely better talent than Gage, but Gage is the number one wide receiver. And he, again, he's a UDFA talent who's benefited from the presence of Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, neither of which is here at this point. 
So he's, he's taken on a little bit more than he can handle as the number one receiver. But with that said, he's on the field a lot. Tajay Sharp is the wide receiver too, at this point. I mean, you basically have uh, Zacchaeus in a timeshare as the wide receiver three. I think you're trying to prioritize Atlanta pass catchers. It is number one, Pitts, number two, Gage, number three, Tajay Sharp. And then we, we could kind of lump Cordell into this conversation because he's like half a receiver, half a running back. If he's active, I think he's pretty clearly the number one option if you consider him a pass catcher. So are you in line with the projection we have? Uh, we have a pretty heavy under projection on Olamide Zacchaeus receiving yards today, under 33 and a half, Matt. Yeah, that's priced as if he's the full-time wide receiver three on an inefficient offense, but he's not. He's splitting time. So he's, I don't, I don't want to say you could just like cut that projection directly in half, but Zacchaeus is squeezed not only by like Christian Blake played 30% of the snaps last week, part of that because of blowout, but sometimes Patterson's lining up as a receiver and Davis is in the backfield. They use a ton of two tight ends. And I know we don't have Hayden Hurst today, but I, I think Lee Smith honestly can do a lot of the things that Hayden Hurst does at this point. They use two tight ends as a blocker, but when they have two tight ends in the field, like it is Zacchaeus who's out. Yeah. I like it. 72% win rate, 29% expected ROI. And we haven't projected it 27 yards. You can hit the under 33 and a half at minus 110. I mean, that's, that's a nice number for sure. So I'm all about that. I, I might like that just, one a lot too. I might just do it right now while we're doing this so I can lock it in. I always try and lock them in early because it doesn't take a ton to shift these these props one direction or another. The other day, like I was talking about Jawan Johnson and I was telling Ben and Aton, like hit this, right? Hit this prop now. Cause we had him projected way lower than his prop. And then once I got to live before lock, I wanted to talk about this and show it on odd shopper. And he was down now projected in line with our projection, which just goes to show you if you're hitting these early and using the projections, Matt, like before, before it gets closer to lock, before people are actually paying attention, you're going to get in at a really, really good number. Um, and it, it shows, too, that, you know, the projections are, are sharper than, than most since the line's actually coming down to, to match our projections in a lot of these spots. So you got to hit them early. Yeah, 100%. I mean, they just don't spend as much time on these. They make the no. big books on the sides, the spreads, the totals, and they don't put as much time into the props. It's why their limits are lower. They move rapidly and you can beat them early, especially like our projections are fantastic, certainly better than what books are offering. So using odd shopper, you don't even have to do any work. It tells you the ROI expected ROI that is and expected win rate. Hey, where are you, where would you rank all of these pass catchers, including pits? I still have pits number one, even though he's more expensive, just based on the volume. And then it's gotta be gauge two, sharp three. And from there, I mean, like Lee Smith is the minimum. Maybe, maybe he's number four because he just affords you all the other expensive options. But Zacchaeus, I don't have a ton of interest in him. He's cheaper. But I mean, at that point, why not just punt with like Janu or something? I don't understand like getting to him at his price point. I hear you. So if Patterson plays, is he one of your favorite captains? I think he's a good captain. He's just so involved in every single facet. They continue to use him a little bit more compared to like Mike Davis. And I do think like the low snaps last week are directly the result of he's, he's a little banged up, but like getting blown out so badly, why use him? I, I think that's more the issue than anything else. Uh, I, if the game was competitive, I don't think you really run the risk of him leaving the game unless he truly aggravates it. So just his involvement in the pass game and the run game combined makes him a pretty good captain, I think, in my opinion. And I will say Mike Davis doesn't get nearly as many high value touches as Cordero Patterson. But I think on a showdown slate, you can look towards Mike Davis at, at a cheaper price point, hope that he touches the ball like 11 or 12 times. If Patterson sits, though, does Mike Davis just become like an instant smash spot? Well, I shouldn't say that because it doesn't mean he's going to be good. But you, you're going to have to get a lot of Davis at that price point if, if Cordero Patterson's out, right? Yeah, I would assume Davis becomes optimal They like from a projection standpoint. They just don't have any other backs on their roster. They've been showing a willingness to give opportunities to Davis in the beginning of the year had like a phenomenal role. He just didn't punch in the touchdowns. Yeah. And a lot of that efficiency came from Patterson. I don't think Davis gets used quite as much in the past game. Obviously he's not as dynamic, but all of the running back work should go to him. In that instance, he's cheaper. He should easily slide into like optimals. Any other thoughts on the Falcons, Matt? Lee Smith, potential punt Here we play. Go. No Hayden Hurst. I think he'll primarily be used as a blocker, 
But at $200, if he gets two targets, three targets, maybe he's just the path that gets you like both Ramondre, Damian, Mac Jones, and then whatever expensive Atlanta piece you want. So I think as a punt play, he's live down there. We know how these tight ends play or how these tight end plays go, man, on, on showdown slates. I'm telling you right now, you could be right. Could be a Lee Smith day. Um, let's build a lineup before we head out of here. Yeah, one last thing. Uh, we didn't talk about Gullman. So I, okay. I think I think a lot of his usage came from the fact that they were just getting blown the hell out because they didn't, they like, why, why play Patterson at that point? So, right. Oh yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. That's, that was a blowout thing. That for I, sure. I, I think Gallman is interesting. Obviously if Patterson sits, I think he's a change of pace to Mike Davis, but like 15 carries and two targets for him against Dallas. Like he just got blown the hell out of that game. Like he's not seeing anywhere near, he was a healthy scratch the two prior weeks. I know. I know. I, it was that was that was mostly mostly a blowout for sure. But you're right. If Patterson's out, maybe Mike Davis struggles and Gallman gets some some additional touches. He was a wide receiver. He was the running back six last year when he was the full time starter in New York with Saquon out from like weeks six through thirteen or something crazy. So yeah, he can produce at times. Let's build a lineup. Then we'll turn this one over to the NBA strategy show. Six game slate tonight. And hey, hit that thumbs up. We got. What do we have? 69, 69 thumbs up right now. 300, almost, almost 350 people watching a morning show, even during basketball season. So appreciate you in advance, guys. You make this, uh, you make doing these shows a lot more fun than they should be. I'll tell you that much. Matt, the biggest question, who the hell are we captaining in a large field tournament? What do you want to do with this? You want, you want to play like both New England backs or something to be contrarian? What, what are you thinking? We, we, how do we take this? I think we either do I think we either do Matt Ryan or we try to or we try to build with both New England backs, one of them at captain. All right. Let's try, let's try Matt Ryan. I'm I think Matt Ryan could be that guy today, even if he's inefficient. So Matt Ryan captain? Yeah, Captain Ryan. I think I mean gotta plug. Uh, I want to put him with, I want to put him with Pitts. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. So we'll go with Pitts. We don't know Cordell Patterson's situation right now. I'm, I'm okay going on the other side of this one with Damian Harris. I, even if, even if this game shoots out to some extent, I still think Harris has a quality workload, but what I'll actually do here is I'm going to throw Aguilar in to open a little bit up. So I'll go Nelson Aguilar as our next man in. He was the guy I was going to pick anyway. So okay, now, cool. now I think we can, I, for all the reasons you mentioned, just too cheap for his opportunity. Now I, we have a lot of salary to work with. I think we can play someone like Damian Harris at his price. No problem here. And then be fine looking at the rest of our lineup. Okay, let's do it. So we'll throw Harrison. We've got Ryan Pitts, Aguilar Harris. Uh, I'm going to go with another pass catcher for Atlanta. And it's not going to feel great. Any of them, none of them are going to feel great at all. Who do you think we go for? If we're going with another pass catcher for Atlanta, who would you go with? So I think if you're, if you're playing Patterson, you have to punt. So that would give you just enough for Lee Smith. But if you, if you want to take this middling approach and play like a gauge, it leaves you kind of in a weird salary spot, but you could play like a Janu with it or something. Dude, let's go Patterson and Lee Smith. It's a showdown site. Patterson and Lee Smith. Lee Smith, the number three tight end, but there is no Hayden Hurst today. So Let's walking do it. into some more opportunities. Let's do it. I, I like, like it. it. I like it. And uh, that's, of course, what you see on the screen is our lineup builder. So it's a pretty cool tool, man. Especially for those of you that are doing single entry and three max and stuff. All of our tools available at awesome.com. But if you want to get $5.99 or what is it? $5 for all of your college uh, basketball projections, which have been crushing Matt Gajewski right here. That's his baby. Use the promo code coach K all one word, all caps. Check that out at awesome.com slash promos. You want to get in on the action. If you want to do anything else, all sport, one sport, weekly express pass, monthly annual, no matter what, all the best tools built by the number one ranked player in the world, ownership, player projections, top stack tool, boom, bust tool, lineup builder, as you've seen, fantasy cruncher add-on. Go over to awesome.com slash join. Appreciate you guys as always. Matt, take us out, man. What do you got going on for the rest of the day? 
a ton of college sports. There's a showdown tonight for football, college basketball, full slate. There's going to be college football and college basketball basically every single day here through the end of bowl season. So we have projections for it all. You can find it all on the site, or you can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajeski. Appreciate you guys. As always, hit me up at Lafayette underscore D. Shout out to our producer, Mike Lawrence. Stick around. NBA Strategy Show coming up next. Peace.